Hello, everybody, and welcome to Two Geeks and One New, where we gather friends of similar interests and maybe not so similar and discuss, joke, learn more about, and generally have fun with geek culture. Today, we have a very special guest on our show today, Daniel Johnson. We're talking about Lord of the Rings, and we know that you are a huge fan and you know a lot about it. I really try. I really try. So, all right, first question right out of the gate. Sure. What got you into Lord of the Rings? I was 10 years old, and Fellowship of the Ring, the film, had just come out in theaters, and I had no idea what it was. Fast Fast forward to the summer of 2002, I went to my grandparents' house, it came on, and I thought, this is easily the best movie I've ever seen in my life. And I got so hooked with the action figures and posters and swords, and I never looked back. For me, my passions are loving the Lord, loving my family, and loving Lord of the Rings. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Um, oh, sorry, do you guys have any? Uh, I thought I was a Lord of the Rings off. fan, and then I met the Johnsons. I was like, oh, never mind. I am like, not on their level. <laughs> Uh, yeah, I, I kind of thought so too. I, I was, I actually was able to surprise, surprise, actually read the books and watch the movies at, uh, not at the same time, but like, (laughs) I'm not much for reading books, but like, uh, (laughs) when I do get into a a book, I really get into it. So, um, about to say, at least none of us have to go go start a quoting Draco at that point. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So. I have to ask, uh, what do you think the 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 best parts and the worst parts of each version of it? Have you you've read the books? I'm guessing. Yeah, I've read the books. I've read the, the trilogy of the Lord of the Rings. I've read the Hobbit. I've read Silmarillion just once. That's the, about the only amount I can handle. <laughs> I don't know I, many people that have read that more than once. Yeah, so. I, I didn't know Tolkien could go that dark. But he, <laughs> he that is something I do want to get into a little bit later, sure, though. But. Sure. I, I know nothing about it. So. I, I made the mistake, though, of reading Unfinished Tales before I read The Silmarillion, which was a huge mistake. Because The Silmarillion is a complete work, of course, but Unfinished Tales are more abstract ideas that Tolkien had that would have gone into The Silmarillion. And so really, it was kind of bonus content. So it would be like watching deleted scenes before you watch the movie. I do not recommend mm. <laughs> reading Unfinished Tales before somewhere else. But I, I highly enjoyed both. And so the pros to the film, or pros to the books, is that you really get to see what the author, Tolkien, what he wanted to convey. And of course, you just can't get around that it's just a brilliant piece of work. It's just um, one for the ages. Mm. And his motive behind it, wanting to communicate the, the purity of characters and also the struggles that characters would live with and battle through showed the humanity, unless they were elves, of course. They would be human. <laughs> the elfanity. Right, right. <laughs> the hobbitanity. <laughs> but it would just show how, faced with something very difficult, you could still uh, rise above with the encouragement of others, which is, of course, rooted in a lot of Christian Judeo ideas. Mm. When, when you're battling something and you've been given an opportunity where you can either rise above or you can fall back, just how crucial it is to have people around you who continue to push you to do the right thing. Mm. So in those books, that's just the theme throughout the whole thing, is having something tough and rising above. And sometimes people struggled through it, like somebody like a character like Boomer, 
didn't always make it in the decision department where he makes the right one. Sometimes <laughs> right, he would right. make the wrong one. <laughs> but ultimately, we don't remember him for his faults. We remember that he was brave and ultimately he did the right thing at yeah. the end. And so when you get to read that in the books, you just see, wow, this was an author who really had a specific goal for what he wanted to communicate, and he did it beautifully. Mm. Absolutely. Well, I think that will testament that's just a testament of like his writing and then you see it within the fan base just that mm-hmm. passion and that and excitement for that for that series and that franchise just mm-hmm. whether it be the visual side of things or the written side of things whatever that may be like just there's just this passion in that fan day that fandom that you don't see as much like sure, sure. the marvel fandom and star wars have that level of passion but i i um, like I feel like those Lord of the Rings fans are almost more loyal to an extent. Mm. And another thing I'll point out about a lot of the Lord of the Rings fan, uh, fan base is they're more welcoming to people coming into the lore. Mm-hmm. Whereas some, uh, where some fan bases you get involved and it's more like, what, what do you mean you didn't know, know this weird bit of archaic knowledge that was only mentioned once and even then it was inferred, not outright said. <laughs> Whereas yeah. Lord of the Rings, whenever people start joking about Gimli holding up the three strands of hair given to him by Galadriel, People are like, oh, that was a weird thing to have in the movie. And then all the fans, hold on, sit down a bit. <laughs> Let us tell you why this is important. <laughs> sure. So. Yeah, I, I've had that conversation with a couple of people now. And it's just like, oh, I totally missed that part. Like, yeah. even, in the, even in the books, I totally missed it. And, like, getting to hear it from other people or other fans of it and actually explaining the reasoning behind it. It was just like, wow, that's crazy. Yep. <laughs> Um, the con to the books is that there's occasionally where you'll have an entire trap, uh, entire chapter where Tolkien will describe acorns, <laughs> <laughs> you know, leaves, and it's right. like, tree beard's awesome, but an entire chapter dedicated to describing tree beard surroundings is cool, but it can be a little dense. Yeah. But that's of course, I say come well, on, but that's just the beauty of the book. Yeah, well, right? I mean, it was dense like Pankhorn is as well. So, I remember the first time I was reading through the books, and when I got to that part you just mentioned, I was just in there like, oh my gosh, what is this going to like get back into the bulk of it? I'm like, I don't know how much longer I can read this. I'm sitting there like in school, and it was like during a reading hour, so I had to read, and I was like, oh, I'm so bored. <laughs> right. right. You could tell he was definitely looking forward to the future of like, this is going to be a movie. This is going to be a movie. I have to <laughs> describe every little detail because <laughs> this is one of my favorite scenes. <laughs> Especially in the Fellowship of the Ring book, there are so many songs. So many. Mm-hmm. A lot yeah. of songs. And some of them made it into the Peter Jackson films. Which really oh, like. yeah, definitely. Uh, and there were a couple cartoon adaptions, which as well, the songs <laughs> were in there. Yeah. Oh. I'm glad they didn't add all of them because <laughs> there was a lot. But... Um, but the ones they did add were very, very well done. I, I especially oh, love, uh, was it Mary's Mary's song? Pippin. Pippin's Pippin. song, sorry. That's why we have you here, man. <laughs> That's why we have you here. <laughs> but yeah, Pippin's song in... Um, Return of the King. Return yes. of the King. Yeah. Great, great song. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the way that they shot that scene too was oh. just so well done with like the, the back and forth between the song and what el- everything else that was happening. Just like... There's the way that they shot it. I thought was just great. It really hooks you. It's, and just like kind of builds that tension with it. Yeah. Except for the uh, the chewing, the chewing was just <laughs> terrible. Yeah, that was <laughs> so interesting. Fun fact about that: the utensils that he's using, um, it's as 
it's very specific that back in the Middle Ages, the I can't recall if it was like a silver goblet he was drinking out of, but in those days, uh, people believed that you could get a chemical imbalance from digesting food that had been in those bowls. Oh. So it's believed that Peter Jackson used that as symbolism for Denethor going mad. Hmm, that makes out, sense. He's yeah. eating out of those bowls that previously caused a major chemical imbalance. Huh. huh. So that's why he went crazy. Got it. <laughs> Very possible. <laughs> so there's a, a method to the cool. madness of the tomato spewing down his cheek. Right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. So, all right. So I got to ask what... What your favorite movie is out of out of the trilogy? Fellowship the, of the Ring. Fellowship, right out of the gate, nice. Wow, okay. no hesitation on that one. Yeah. <laughs> what about you guys? Ooh. <laughs> See, I go back and forth because, as much as I love, the Battle of Helm's Deep, mm-hmm. I don't think I can say the second one's my favorite. Mm-hmm. I think Return of the King is honestly my favorite because it has the most battles, the most like. The most feeling, I think, um, to like the not the most feeling, but the most um, what's the word fulfillment? Uh, m- yeah, 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 I can say that. Yeah, you you can say that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, okay, uh, Dave, David? Return of the King, hands down. Nice. Now, granted, the five endings and edit, yeah, that's a little irksome. That and also the omission of uh, the the battle for Hobbiton. Um, <laughs> which awesome scene in the books yeah sure but um at the same time it's uh, similar to what you're saying it's it's that culmination of everything that's been building up to mm-hmm. where it's you're seeing these arcs play out now you have the little companion who is now realizing okay i know who i am i know who i can who i can, uh, how i can help others and how he can basically Live out his own, his own life, mm-hmm. not just relying on others as well. Yeah. Talking about Sam? Yep. Okay. All right. But you also have this moment where it's like, no, that was my moment. Yep. That's why I was here. Yeah. And it's that culmination of, no, 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 you have a purpose. You are going to have to live out that purpose. And you have to do it with your head, your head held high. Mm. So, yeah. Even if you're a hobbit. Yeah, even if you're out of it. <laughs> your head as high as it could be on the shoulders. <laughs> but it looks like, like, child, uh, like children to you. <laughs> it's, it's close for me between Return of the King and Two Towers, but I think I have to give the edge to Two Towers. Yeah. Okay. Nice. Battle of Helm's Deep, man. It's, I love the Battle of Helm's it's Deep. such a great <laughs> Yeah. I remember the first time, okay, not the first time I saw it, because I saw it in theaters the first time, but uh, one of the times that's the most memorable of me seeing it was um, I was at my brother's best friend's house, and I was staying overnight with him and um, and my brother, and we sat down watching Lord of the Rings, and we got to right before Helm's Deep, and everybody else went to bed, and I was like, no, I am staying up for Helm's Deep. Pretty <laughs> <laughs> much. Yeah. Yep. Turn the movie off right after, but it was just like, yep, nope, Helm's Deep is... You can't miss the Hel- Helm's no. Deep. Like... I was very surprised my brother and his friend <laughs> went to bed at that point, but it was just like... Ah. Is there anything more epic than seeing Legolas skateboard on <laughs> shields? <laughs> Legolas, favorite character. Okay. My favorite character out of the whole thing. 
Okay. El- elves and with uh, bow and arrows. That, that's my that's my thing. You're talking about <laughs> in the films. He's your yeah. character in films. Yes. And I was glad that they brought him into the Hobbit because oh, yeah. it was my favorite. Oh, for sure. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So now that I've said my favorite, what what are your favorite characters? Well, I think uh, real fast. Sorry. Oh, sure, sure. Is it different between the books and the movies for you? How Good so? question. Good question. Like but your favorite. If the portrayal, if the uh, portrayal of the character was better in the movie, and you prefer oh. that character, or if it's a character in the books that didn't get any screen time, yeah, because you did, you did specify for me what or, uh, my favorite character was Legolas in the movies. So mm-hmm. was there a difference? Well, I would say for me, yes. In the films, my favorite character is Aragorn. Mm-hmm. I believe he's so fleshed out in a way that although the books did a great job for him to get to see the internal struggle on screen was more in depth than his struggle was in the books. Mm-hmm. In the books, he's kind of ready to roll. Aragorn knows his mission. He knows what he's going to do. He gets his sword, uh, Anduril, very early on. So he, he knows he's returning as king. Right. Whereas in the film, you get to see that reluctancy due to knowing his own depravity, mm-hmm. which I think is so well written. Uh, that screenplay is so yeah. fantastic. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I I think Sam in the books is just so fantastic. <laughs> He's just such a hero. He, yeah. he, he is the hero of the books. Absolutely. Yeah. So nothing gets Frodo, but if I may piggyback off of, <laughs> of that, course. like they could not have picked a better actor for Aragorn in the right. movies. Oh, like, so yeah. he just absolutely nailed that role. So mm. fun bit of trivia. He actually was not the original ca- uh, casting. I remember seeing that. Yeah. I don't remember. Wasn't it Sean Bean? Originally? Nope. No, nope. I believe it was Stuart Townsend. Stuart Townsend, okay. He was a younger actor. Uh, you'll have to fact check me. Um, <laughs> but he became famous for 2002's uh, Queen of the Damned. Okay. <laughs> I say famous for <laughs> I don't know how many people saw that film. <laughs> Infamous. He's more known for it. <laughs> <laughs> but, he, but you're right, David. He, uh, yeah. he was a younger, um, younger actor, and they felt like it needed to be someone a little bit older to represent yep. Aragorn. Am I right, Caleb? Is it Townsend? I didn't check on that. I was just looking up who he was because I didn't recognize the name. He was also in League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, if that helps. Who did he play in that? Of course you would ask me that after. <laughs> <laughs> so way I understand it is after they had done some test screenings with whoever it was, mm-hmm. and I, I want to say you're right, but I, I'm, I'm with you. I don't recall. Um... And they eventually say, you know what, this isn't going to work out. So they basically fly him back from New Zealand. They call in the second, Vigo. And it, that's confirmation? Yeah. Okay, yeah, it was Townsend. All right, cool. Good job. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so they call in Vigo, and they're waiting for him to get there, and they're they're going they're going to go ahead and start filming those scenes in The Prancing Pony. Mm. And Vigo sneaks in on set, throws a, throws a cape on, and just sits down and lights his pipe. Oh. And it was something to the effect of, okay, well, hang on. Right. Whoever stood in for Aragorn, thank you. And the casting director walks up, no, Peter, that's him. <laughs> <laughs> that's so, cool. Yeah. Something to so he got right acquire. in the character. <laughs> oh, yeah. Sure. <laughs> yeah. Very nice. Very nice. Also, another quick thing about him in uh, in those movies is, and I think probably anybody who is a fan of it, well, no, 
is that he broke his foot on the helmet. Yep. (laughs) And that was a real scream. (laughs) Broke his foot on the helmet, uh, nearly drowned, broke a rib in that same scene. Lost a piece of his tooth. Yep. Tooth got cut in half. Oh, no. Mm -hmm. During one of the fights. I think it was that first fight with, um, oh, the Odokai. Uh, Yeah, who is the boss of Odokai? I can't remember his name. Lertz. Lertz, thank you. Oh, wow. Did not even know he had a name. Well, Mm -hmm. he's he's a made-up character. Right, yeah, right. <laughs> Aren't they all technically? Well, that's true, that's true. Wait for the film. <laughs> well, well played. On, on, on Lertz's uh, normal days, he's a businessman from, from Oxford. <laughs> Poor guy. <laughs> I thought he was a was a, a model for American Eagle. Oh. <laughs> More like hot topic, but anyway. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, we're not sponsored. Anyway, um, <laughs> and after those comments, we probably won't be. No, 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 no. Um, <laughs> oh man, but yeah, I, I mean, him like getting so much into that role like that, where he just was able to roll with those punches and like actually use it, was just just is a testament to his acting ability, I think, and playing mm-hmm. that role. Just mm-hmm. amazing. Um, but yeah, so, yeah, characters. My favorite character is Gimli. Gimli? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it doesn't Who hurt that I have the stubbornness of a dwarf myself. So <laughs> <laughs> and I just love that whole thing. They were doing a press junket before, I think it was before the Return of the King came out, they were talking about the actor and the, the uh, stunt doubles were like, all right, like if you hit us, it's no big deal. We're armored up. So if it happens, it happens. But like, try not to hit us. And we'll just see what happens. And, he, and the guy that played Pippin was sitting there talking about that. And he was just like, and he went out there and just hit every single one of them. <laughs> <laughs> the stubbornness of dwarves. <laughs> Oh man! Still think it's hilarious that John Reese Davis is the tallest member of yeah. the cast, oh, the smallest member sure. yeah. <laughs> of the entire fellowship. Not the smallest. True, member. you're right. You're right. The hobbits are the, the smallest. hobbits are the smallest. Yeah. Okay, so he's fifth smallest. Right. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's bring it back a little bit and talk about the Cimmerillion. Okay. Because I, I, I know nothing about it. Like, what what was the Cimmerillion about in a in a summary of it? The creation of Middle-earth, the establishment of how the elves got going with a lot of detail of where they first settled. Um, the, the Summerills were, were jewels that um, they just absolutely adored. Unfortunately, there was a villain, of course, that made his appearance on the scene named Morgoth. He had a special lieutenant that we know as Sauron, and they just wreaked havoc. Okay. Tons of death. Tons of betrayal. Um, the elves went through intense pain and suffering. It comes to a point where Morgoth is defeated. And I believe it's around that time when the Second Age begins. Mm-hmm. And the Second Age is what um, you really get to see Sauron begin his mischief with the creation of the rings. After Sauron is ultimately defeated, we get the Third Age, which is when... About 3,000 years into the Third Age is when Frodo gets the ring and ultimately it's destroyed. Gotcha. And so toward the end of the Silmarillion, you get more details regarding the Third Age, but really the bulk of the Silmarillion book is going to be in regard to the First and Second Age. Okay. Second Age, 
is extremely um, condensed in comparison to the detail of the first stage. Mm-hmm. And it's very exciting, and then it will get slow. And then it will get exciting, and it will get slow. But if you're willing to stick with it, it's enjoyable for storytelling's sake, but there's not one smile that you're going to crack. Mm. It's very dark, very, very, dark, very yeah. serious, and Tolkien really was inspired by his experiences in the First World War. Right, War. right. He wrote, yes, The Lord of the Rings, but also heavily influenced when he, when he wrote The Writings of the Cimmerillion. Mm. He didn't get to see The Cimmerillion published while he was alive. His son, Christopher, compiled his dad's writings, and eventually that was published, I believe, in the late 70s. Yeah, and he he ended up like finishing it, right? Like he, he didn't quite have everything finished, but he kind of the son put it all together and Correct. finished. Okay, yeah. so he was known as the editor, right? Okay, right. so so would it be fair to to say that in in some ways Christopher was uh, Frodo to uh, to, <laughs> to JRR's Bilbo, uh, <laughs> right? Very the, fair. Yeah. Or yeah. Sam to finish the. the oh, you're right. Because Sam book. actually finished right. there and back. Right, game, right, right. right. Yeah, that's very fair. So I have a follow up question for you then. So sure. did you happen to play the Lord of the Rings Shadow of Mordor games? I played a little bit. Okay. And so they're very enjoyable. During those, they kind of like go over like the crafting of the rings and they show mm-hmm. a version of Sauron in the game. And in the game, he's made to look like kind of like an elfish type. Sure. And so do you do the, does it specify like what? race or species Sauron and Morgoth were or does it not really go into that so man I'm pretty sure and you'll have to fact check me they're either a Maya M-A-I-A or they're part of the Valar I can't remember in specific but it's definitely an angelic form but because Sauron is known as the deceiver he would take on many different disguises Mm. And one of the ways that he would love to disguise and hide his true form was appearing as an elf. Okay. Gotcha. That makes sense. Which is what he did in the Second Age. Yeah. He disguised himself as Anatar, who was a craftsman and encouraged the elf Celebrimbor and showed Celebrimbor how to create powerful rings. Mm-hmm. Everyone knew, man, there's something there's something weird about this Anatar guy. <laughs> yeah. And by the time they figured out, oh my god. It's too late. Okay, gotcha. all, all checked, and te- you're right. It is he has okay. Maya. Okay, yeah. great, great. Okay. So, so angelic types. Okay, mm-hmm. so even funnier considering uh, Tolkien was apparently a very against allegories. Sounds like that's a just a just a wee bit of an allegory there. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's funny because everything I've ever heard about Lord of the Rings was that it was an allegory, and uh, like you saying no, that. Is, I'm sorry, I'm getting that backwards. It was Lewis who didn't like allegories. Sorry. I stank around. Oh, okay. All right. <laughs> yeah, that My makes bad. more sense. <laughs> <laughs> they were buddies. <laughs> they critiqued each other's work. <laughs> Though, another thing that has somewhat recently come to light, but could just be a meme. Um, could be a meme. Yes. Could, like a joke. Just, oh, okay. Just a joke. <laughs> about how... Uh, how a tree bird was actually based on Tolkien's per- initial perception of Lewis. Yeah, I haven't heard that. Okay, that's possible though. <laughs> I, yeah, I've heard I've heard that same thing. I don't know if it's a joke or not. Um, yeah, it's kind of funny to think about too. <laughs> <'Cause> it, 
from what we know of them, from what we know of the Inklings, what we know of, obviously, their collected works, it kind of fits. <laughs> mm-hmm. I know that when Lewis first received the draft of The Lord of the Rings, his first response was, not another elf. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. <laughs> so he's a dwarf then. So. <laughs> <laughs> Um, oh, I was going to ask something else. Um, I've got another question oh, yeah. if you want to take a moment. So in the Silmarillion, do we mm. see any, or does it talk about any sort of battles with other species and Balrogs? Because we get to see oh, sure. the fight with Balrog in Fellowship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And the, that continuation in Two Towers. And then they have the fight with Balrogs in the games. And so it's like, yeah. that's always something that I was like, sure. oh, I want to see more fights with Balrogs. Well, imagine <laughs> this. Morgoth had Balrogs as part of his army. Yeah, you know how in Return of the King, you've got uh, Sauron having the Haradrim who would ride elephants. Well, go back to the first right, age, yeah, yeah. and he's he's got Balrogs running around. <laughs> <laughs> so the answer to that is yes. See so, the elves see that coming over their yeah. rise, and they're like, oh, crap. <laughs> <laughs> so... So Gandalf was having a bit of a grudge match on uh, Kazadu. Sure. <laughs> but Gandalf didn't appear until the Third Age. Right? Oh, okay. Yeah, so how old is he? By the time of the Lord of the Rings, yeah. I think he's around 3,000 years old. 3,000. Okay, all right. Okay. Oh, beginning, yeah, beginning of Third Age. Just, that makes sense. Okay. Also, on a similar note, um, in The Hobbit, there's a... It, the, the movies, mm-hmm. uh, there's a kind of an in-joke about... The different wizards and the wizard mm-hmm. classing, mm-hmm. Uh, if you will. But um, can you expound on that one a little bit more? Where he jokes about the blue, sure, uh, the blue wizards. Oh yeah. yeah, yeah. So it's it's in the novels. It's common knowledge that there's three wizards: Sauron, Gandalf, and Radagast. However, I believe it's really in unfinished tales where you you see that there are two other wizards, and they're known as the blue wizards. I cannot recall the names that Tolkien gave them. And they weren't specifically canon. Um, it was just something that he had kind of on the side. But they're known as particular names that at this moment I can't recall. But I don't know if really the average person would know. And that's why we call them the Blue Wizards. Okay. <laughs> um, he does state, though, in those writings that they kind of went and did their own thing. That they weren't as interested in the affairs of men mm-hmm. and elves. So they're different classes of wizards, though. Like... Sure. Where it's like brown is kind of like the nature, mm-hmm. but it's not as powerful, correct? Like white is like the, the top. Mm-hmm. Uh, in the films, yes. In the book, Saruman it... goes by Saruman of many colors. His uh, robe becomes rainbow. Mm-hmm. Now, in the films, huh. they did not do that, but in the books, that's actually like the ultimate level. Huh. I did not or remember at that least, either. Or at least the level that Saruman wanted to represent. Gotcha. To stand out as maybe in his own pride, was looking more distinct than the white. I don't know if, if it's necessarily greater than the white. Mm-hmm. I think about it some more. But in the books, he's called Saruman of many colors. Okay. So very interesting. Were all of the wizards capable of kind of reaching those next levels? Like, could Radagast have become Radagast the White at some point? Sure. Wouldn't it make sense that because Gandalf made that ultimate sacrifice, that that's why he was allowed to come back and kind of upgrade. Mm, I think that yeah. that's agreed upon. So it makes you wonder when Saruman came uh, at what point um, 
did, did he ever upgrade? Did he come as the white? It might be established in the canon. I just don't, I just don't remember if, mm. he, if he had to move up levels. Yeah, that is an interesting thought cool. because if it if it requires a sacrifice of some sort, like how did Saruman become the yeah. white? And what changed from when he made the sacrifice to what he was in the yeah. end? Yeah, I wouldn't mind getting the backstory on that sure. at some point yeah. of like who Saruman was beforehand. Yeah. I will say Saruman was the boss. He was the dude. Gandalf answered to Saruman. So there wasn't any debate as to, Hey, who's the boss here? Cause if you recall in the films, Gandalf goes specifically to tell Saruman, like, Hey, Sauron's back there. They were not equals. Mm-hmm. And Saruman was much more powerful than Gandalf, but by Gandalf making that sacrifice and coming back, he now was extremely powerful yeah. and powerful enough to where Saruman didn't stand a chance, mm. which is pretty cool. Mm. Yeah, that's pretty sweet. It, I mean, it could have also been, and correct me if I'm wrong, it, where Saruman kind of may have like bounced up through other means. Sure. And yeah. that's why Gandalf <clears throat> was so much more powerful because he got there through that means he was supposed to. <laughs> or more pure means. No, more pure means. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. exactly. Yep. So, okay. Not that that's canon at all, but I just think it's a cool, <laughs> that's cool pure, idea. That's sure. pure head canon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So, so are there any key moments in, in the, the back lore or just the histories from Middle Earth that, you would, that stand out to you the most that you think deserve a bit more attention? Mm. in regard to the fans should know more of yep. that maybe weren't portrayed in the films or that you that you you were more intrigued with that you'd want to see more of or see a visual representation oh of. yeah yeah either way yeah that's a great question in the deleted scene in the first film uh the fellowship of the ring there's an allusion to the story of baron and luthien one was a man, and Luthien was an elf. Um, and Aragorn alludes to this in a song, and it's a really wonderful story in the Silmarillion, and I would love to see that on screen because it's forbidden love, right? Uh, and Baron's a man, Luthien's an elf, and it was ultimately symbolism for Tolkien's relationship with his wife. He never mm. felt um, worthy of her mm. love in the sense of he just... When he would see her, when he would look at her, he was just overwhelmed with such joy that she, you you love me, you want to be with me. And so it's just a very romantic love story. But of course, because it's in the Silmarillion, it's got to go bad. It's got to be extremely sad. <laughs> so it is not a happy story. It's very very sad. Uh, Galadriel's family gets involved, and it's it's exciting, but it's very Shakespearean in that it is not in well. Mm-hmm. But I would love to see that on screen. Awesome. Uh, it, it's it's a definite highlight of the Silmarillion, if not the best story in the Silmarillion. Nice. That casual fans might not know about, but thankfully it's alluded to in Peter Jackson's films. Mm-hmm. So it gives fans an opportunity to go back and read up on why it's a cool story that Aragorn yes. would be singing about. Of course, Aragorn means a lot to him since it's basically the same circumstances, yeah. right? Yep. But it turns out way better. It does. <laughs> Maybe not for Arwen. She does die. But, <laughs> <laughs> but Aragorn, 
peaches and ice cream. That's right. <laughs> well, granted, she she chose that. So yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, that's so true. true. Yeah, it was definitely by choice. Yeah. That's yeah, fair. she chose the the life of a um of a mortal. A mortal. Yeah. So it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So what was your opinion on the Hobbit movies? Because I know that there's a lot of like controversy there because sure. of them being extended from like the one book into three movies yeah. and parts and characters <clears throat> that weren't originally in canon being added into the movie. So I'm kind of curious on what your take on those movies. Sure. Jackson did fans of the Lord of the Rings a huge service in giving us three movies. He did not have to do that. He could have really stuck to one flawless version of the Hobbit. He gave us three really long, really dense versions that are fun, but they're nowhere close to the quality of the mm. originals. And I think he wanted to keep it as close as he could. But with that being said, I feel like there was some comedy in there that kind of made the waters a little murky mm. on tone. And sometimes the tone just couldn't be conveyed enough to where it's like, okay, what tone are you going for? Are you going for... Uh, really serious and shocking with certain deaths and certain action scenes, or do you want to see dwarves fall 200 feet and walk away without a scratch? Right. You know, <laughs> you know, roll down a mountain or jump in a barrel. Although it's fun, it was all about that tone. Mm-hmm. And sometimes I think that got a little confused. But ultimately, if someone were to say, should I, I really like Lord of the Rings, but should I watch The Hobbit? Every time I'll say, yeah, go ahead and watch it. Because... Seeing Legolas back, that's so much fun. Mm-hmm. Seeing Elrond, Gandalf, uh, but ultimately the star, it's Bilbo. Yeah. Martin mm-hmm. Freeman gives a masterful performance as Bilbo that you just can't miss. I will say there's a fan edit where it was edited down to just a, maybe around three hours. It's phenomenal. Oh, yeah? Hmm. It cuts out all the Gandalf looking for Sauron stuff. It cuts out a lot of the the elf stuff and the things with um, the relationship with Keeley and, uh, yeah, right. and, and his yeah. love interest. It's not that that's terrible, but the fan edit actually condensed it down to where it falls more with what Tolkien's vision of the book. Mm. Yeah, I can, I can definitely see like how people could see those see the difference in those and be like okay they they added a lot of stuff and they they added too much fluff pretty much but at the same time i'll I'll give it to them that the um the love interest was a little weird because sure like just going off of what you said with you know aragorn and arwen um being kind of that forbidden love kind of thing Mm -hmm. they i feel like they tried to do that again with Keeley and mm-hmm. um, Tariel. Tariel, yeah. Um, but at the same time, I didn't mind it. <laughs> sure. You know, it was it was just an added, you know, a little bit of fluff to yeah. make it something different. Mm-hmm. You know, like I I enjoyed the Hobbit movies, like because my kind of mentality in going into movies is just entertain me. I don't sure. want to be bored. I want to be engaged. I want to enjoy what I'm watching. And so, like, I w- didn't feel bored at any point in the Hobbit movies. And it's like, I love Battle of the Five Armies because oh, it's a oh, big yeah. battle. What's so not fun. to enjoy? Now, here's the question. Have you seen the extended edition of the Battle of the Five Armies? Oh, I haven't, actually. need to because Jackson goes so extreme. The recut version, I'm not joking, it's rated R. 
because mm-hmm. there's so much blood. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so much orc blood. I think I actually have the extended version at home, so I'll have yeah. to watch that this weekend if I can. Yeah, because yeah. they, they put in that, like, machine cart thing, right? Yeah, and, yep. it, just, that wasn't and it just... And well, it just blows um, down people. I remember in the, the the theatrical version, they had that... Um, that carriage that they were pulling that had the spikes on the side yeah. that was cutting through the orcs. And but they, I think they, they was... kind of like pulled away from it fairly oh, quick. They didn't like really yeah. show yeah. it. Yeah. They <laughs> added a bit more scenes with that. Okay. And it was just like, okay, this is a lot, but this is cool. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, all, I'm a sucker for action movies. And sure. just, especially if like elves and dwarves are involved, like I'm going to yeah. watch it. And just that fun moment where all the dwarves are sitting there with their shields just ready to take the charge. And that oh, yeah. elves come in out of nowhere, flying over them, just cutting things down. Mm-hmm. Like, just, yes. <laughs> it, it's those like almost Avenger style, yeah, yeah. you know, moments <laughs> of like, <gasps> they're working together. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's that, you know, something's bad is about to happen when elves and dwarves are like, all right, you know what? forget you we need to fight these guys now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. what was baffling to me was that they cut out for the theatrical version a scene that makes a lot of sense which is the funeral of Thorin oh yeah why would you not include that the dwarves are upset Bilbo's upset oh I don't know you just had one of the major characters of a film not get his goodbye yeah so yep. I don't know what they were thinking well Maybe they were thinking this movie is too long. <laughs> but, uh, Maybe they could have cut out some of those other scenes sure, and add sure. that in. Yeah. Yeah. So, I, so things like that always will make an extended edition very fun. Yeah. Um, which you know, mind circling back to the original trilogy films, you gotta watch the extended. If you're gonna oh, sit yeah. down and watch mm-hmm. Lord of the Rings, you gotta watch the extended. <laughs> it's just too much fun. Yeah. <laughs> yep. I, I have seen all extended versions, and I believe. I want to say I watched all three of the Lord, the original Lord of the Rings all in the same day. Mm-hmm. And then I tried to keep going with Hobbit, but I think we were just like, all right, that's, this is a lot. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're looking at 12 hours. Yeah. <laughs> I haven't actually seen any of the extended versions, so like that's something oh, that's been on the list and I've wanted to do it. I just haven't had a chance to actually sit down and do it. Because every time my old roommate, Tyler, is... A huge Lord of the Rings guy, and he that was like a once a year thing that he would watch the extended versions, and he always did it on a day I had to go to work. And I'm oh. like, dude, I couldn't wait till like tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> That's Caleb, it. It's worth it, man. Yeah. No, no. I will say what what my family would very similarly once a year, usually November December, we'll go through all the, all Lord of the Rings movies, and after that the Hobbit movies. Why not in the other order? I don't get it, but whatever. <laughs> um, probably more just go by release. Um, but what we'll do is we'll watch to the point of, um, the extended versions where it says, cool, change the disc. <laughs> then we'll stop and the next day go back and watch it. That's still about two hours each. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sure. <laughs> but absolutely worth, worth it. Makes it a whole lot more manageable to do. Mm. See, I, I say just go for broke. And just watch the whole thing. <laughs> just watch it. <laughs> I did that one time where I watched the, the trilogy by Return of the King, I was going stir crazy. Mm-hmm. I, I was about to jump in the fires and not doing myself. <laughs> <laughs> I, just, I mean, I love it. See, that's why I don't want to watch all of them at once. No. I already have a hard time sitting still for a few hours. Mm-hmm. Like, you yeah. tell me to sit down still for 12 hours, it's not. No, bad. they're not meant to be watched that way. You need to you need to be fully rested, fully alert. So what you're saying is, is that we need to have a Lord of the Rings uh, watch party. 
but after every movie, get up and like go get food. Oh sure, come yes. back and watch sure. the next one. There's <laughs> a problem with that theory because we tried that me and some friends when we were binge watching the entire season of The Witcher, and we took a break, ate food, and almost fell asleep and did not continue. <laughs> so <laughs> after episode one. No, we were oh. like halfway in. It was four hours of the eight hours for that season. So it's like, <laughs> it sounds good in theory. In practice, did not work. Yeah. <laughs> All right. You guys will take a weekend. <laughs> <laughs> we'll go get a and b and that way we, we, we have to sit and watch it. Yeah. <laughs> nice. <laughs> so in the end of Fellowship of the Ring, we see that part where... Gandalf says, fly you fools. And there's always that back and forth online where it's like he was telling them to get the eagles to Mordor. He was telling them to do this. I want to know what your personal interpretation of that is or what you take from like either from the books or just what you think and your own opinion. My opinion on what? At that part where Gandalf tells the fellowship, uh, fly you fools after he's getting pulled down by Balrog. Yeah. Well, the fun thing about Gandalf was he was so caring about the team about the fellowship and so he's wanting them to continue the task Mm -hmm. but he's giving them a release to say you can move on you don't have to come for me you don't have to rescue me ultimately he's doing this for them to get away Mm -hmm. right and so it shows a lot of compassion so even though it seems striking at first like he's calling them fools well he's been this character the whole time yeah kind of this curmudgeon but deep down we know that's not that's not his character he's He's extremely loving. He cares especially about the hobbits. Mm-hmm. Um, and so to see him lay his life down, ultimately, we know that there's no greater love than to lay down your life for your friends. Yeah. And so that's what that's what Gandalf does. It always makes me like laugh when I'm looking at like online posts or comments back and forth about that scene because there's some people who are like he was telling them to take the rings to Mordor and just or take the eagles to Mordor and get there quicker. And I was like, I don't think that's quite what he was going for there. But. All right, so we're gonna switch gears again here real quick, and we're just gonna touch on the the new show, The Rings of Power. Just some quick thoughts before we end. Like, what what are your thoughts? I'm excited to see where it's going to go. I'm not intrigued in the story so far as of episode three. Mm. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing how different characters are fleshed out. However, I think the the pace of the show hasn't been enough to make me thoroughly excited to see what happens next. But it's going to be an eight-episode series. They've got at least five seasons that they've planned out. They've got plenty of time to draw me in because I'm a fish seeing the hook. So far, I have not latched on. Gotcha. And so, as you've said that, we, we've kind of talked about off off microphone that, uh, like, we loved, so far, the scenery and the music. Mm-hmm. Like, those, those have been two things that have hooked me. Um, but, you know, it, it has its ups and downs, definitely. Sure. So, um but yeah, I, I just wanted to touch on that, see what your thoughts were, and kind of know what these guys' thoughts are. But if you want to give a little, <laughs> a little summary of your thoughts, you can go right ahead. But <laughs> for the listeners, <laughs> fairly similar boat visually, looks great. I don't have any issues with how it looks. The music has been really good. I'm just so bored with the story. Mm. It's just not getting my attention. I think 
I've said this to all of you guys at some point, that if it didn't have the Lord of the Rings title attached to it, and it was just its own fantasy show, it might be a decent fantasy show. Mm-hmm. But having that Lord of the Rings title to it, just it automatically ties in very heavy expectations. Yeah. And it's just not meeting those expectations for sure. me. Yeah, yeah. Understandable. And I'm on a, again, very similar note. It's scenery, music, awesome. Uh, even special effects, awesome. Mm. Uh, a lot of the story elements and a lot of things that they change about some of the characters, it, it delineates between a faithful and loving adaptation to an adaptation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And it's a little too closer for that latter category for me. Yeah. Most of the visuals have been good. That weird sword springboard, I don't know what that was. <laughs> if Sadok Burroughs doesn't end up being a Sauron, I'm going to be so disappointed. <laughs> I will say the sword springboard was, was fine in uh, Pirates of the Caribbean. I don't know. <laughs> but I respect, but. I expect ridiculousness from Johnny Depp. I do not expect ridiculousness from Galadriel. <laughs> True. That's a very good point. <laughs> Just watch how Johnny Depp runs in that movie. You know what you're signing up for. Uh, okay. On that note. <laughs> I think that'll about wrap up this episode. Thank you again, Daniel, for join us and joining us on this episode. Um... Cunin Melon. Is that goodbye, friend? Farewell. Or farewell, farewell friend? Oh. <laughs> I like it. Nerd. Cunin Melon. Cunin Melon. <laughs>